This is Doug Scheiding of Rogue Cookers, Texas Embedded Correspondent. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Start the game! Let's go! We'll do it live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Central Show, a show that from time to time talks about barbecue and grilling items, originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host, Greg Rippey. Happy to have you aboard here for your fun and frivolity of live fire cooking. You want to jump in on the show tonight? There is a whole segment that has quickly developed for you to do that. But here are your contact information bits. You can get in touch with the show by calling 216-220-0966. Email Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. On the Twitter and Instagram, at BBQ Central Show. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening coming up in about 12 minutes from now. It is the first Tuesday of a new month, February 2019, rapidly coming to a close. And that brings our second 2020 visit from the pitmaster of Killer Hogs Barbecue Team, and the co-founder of HowToBBQWrite.com, Malcolm Reed, will be joining me. And we're going to be talking with Malcolm about a number of topics this evening. To include the following. Chicago-style beef. Italian beef? Not only that, I will pin him to the ground on where... Competition steak cooking is going. Notwithstanding that, I will make him tell me that Bloody Mary contests are the last bastion of insanity going on in this country right now. And we might talk about some other stuff. He's a big deer hunter. If you hunt things that you may or may not kill include deer. I'm not a big hunter. Okay, well, let me rephrase that. I'm not a hunter myself. I like to hunt for good deals in the meat case from time to time. But I'm not going to go in a perch out in the cold and sit for hours and hope that I take away something after I've invested some time. And no, to me, it's not fun sitting in a tree and hanging out. Like, fishing isn't fun. Sitting in a boat or off of the cliffs of a stream and tossing a line in the water because it's fun. No, if I'm going out to hunt, I want to shoot like 50 things or want to catch like 50 fish. That's where the payback for me is. 
If you're into that kind of thing, good for you. Malcolm's into hunting. He's got a whole other thing that goes along with it. But he does collect deer. He does process that. Well, I think he has a processor that does that. But he has recipes and stuff uh, that he's talking about here recently. So we'll talk to Malcolm maybe a little bit about deer hunting as time allows. So Malcolm up first. Then we will move to 35 past and we will welcome back what will be a second timer to the show if you're a food network fan you see him quite a bit there hosting shows they are also from time to time guests on the wrap-up show that is the show that recaps the howard stern show every morning on howard 101 i believe at 2 p.m eastern standard time the wrap-up show airs i should be a guest on the wrap-up show by the way i would just like to point that out i would be a spectacular guest i'm fun i'm witty I could talk about food, and I know at least half of the hosts that host the wrap-up show are really into food. I'm not necessarily a fast food junkie like one of the co-hosts, but I could talk about food. I know the Stern Show. I'm, uh, again, witty. I have a good speak about me. I can cobble sentences together at a rapid rate. I don't know how I turned off on that street of where I should be hosting or not. Somebody on tw- I mentioned that on Twitter, and somebody said, well, the people that they have as guests on the wrap-up show have some amount of fame. You have none. Like, what? Who the hell are you? Meanwhile, I punch up on this guy's info, and he's got 13 followers. <laughs> so I felt very proud of myself to say, uh, go beat it, man, with 13,000 or 13, 13,000, 13 followers. Which pretty much entails your immediate family, maybe an aunt or an uncle. Uh, meanwhile, I'm approaching 10,000 followers. So F off. That is a monicum of fame, I might add, whether it's internet or not. If you lump all of my social media followings together, I have m- tens of thousands of followers. So take your 13 and beat it, Twitter troll. I'm way off base here. Anyway, so sometimes a guest on the wrap-up show and one-time guest here on this show, he's half of the Grill Dads. Mark Anderson will be back on the show. Did you know that podcasting is something that is very popular these days? Some might call me a podcast pioneer as I've been doing it for 12 years or so. But the Grill Dads are talking about launching a podcast soon. So we'll have Mark on to talk about that and some other things that the Grill Dads are up to. Then we'll move into the second hour. Uh, You would have found a second or a first Tuesday of the month in the second hour guest. uh, That being Sam the Cooking Guy. But nope. I'm not sure exactly where the mistake was because I do quite a bit of due diligence. And confirmation reach outs, not arounds, reach outs to my guests starting Friday and Saturday leading up to the show saying, hey, are we good? Do we want to go an hour? Do we want to go a segment? All ironed out well in advance. Outlines being generated because I hate to go into the show flying by the seat of my pants. I can do it, but I would rather be as prepared as possible just in case. And then today it. Four o'clock in the afternoon. I made a mistake. Can't come on. What? Come on, man. What did you forget? 
Last second, what do you? What comes up? I don't even think anything come up. I think you just forgot. Oh, so we've backfilled Sam's spot with one of the longest running sponsors of the show, a guy who is very successful in the rub and sauce biz and the butchering biz, although he's retired from it. He is the pitmaster of Butcher Barbecue. Dave Bosca will rejoin the show. Multiple-time guest, by the way. World champion. And we will also talk podcasting with Dave Bosca, as I've mentioned here on the show over the last month or two. Dave has recently launched a podcast, so I would love to talk to him about how he's getting on with his podcast and if he thinks it's a long-term venture. I mean, everybody's really excited about getting into podcasting. But I think that in the end, when the luster wears off, which is right around the fourth show, and you realize you got to keep doing it, that's where you find where the that's where the rubber meets the road. All of a sudden, people go from once a week to once every other week, or once a month, and once a quarter, and quickly they're fading off. It's a joke. Most barbecue podcasts, as I say time and time again, are worthless, drivel. They cannot put in the work and the effort to sustain because they think, I don't know, there's going to be a lot of money right off the bat or fame, fortune and fame. They're going to get recognized at their local meat shop. It's work. You got to figure out a way to do it and do it right. And then you have to commit to time. Those are the three most important. They're really hard to do, by the way. Just look at how many barbecue podcasts have come and gone. Many have not withstood the test of time. It's tough. Not everybody can do it. So that is where we end guesting. And then, depending on what Dave leaves for everybody else, time-wise, we'll do the ever-popular where nobody calls in live open segment on the show. So you can talk about anything food-related if you want. You can talk about anything sports-related. You can ask me a personal question, which I may or may not answer. Who knows? And there you go. That's how it lays out. We have Malcolm Reed coming up shortly. We have Mark Anderson of the Grill Dads after Malcolm. And then in the second hour, Dave Boskin. By the way, all will be coming in via Skype video. Very excited when the whole show can do. There's at least potential for great audio on three. Doesn't mean there's going to be great audio, but there's potential. Cell phones suck. Before we get to Malcolm Reed, I want to talk to you about Green Mountain Grills. I'm ever excited to get my hands on a prime Green Mountain Grill here sooner or later. I've had the choice line for, you know, well over six, seven, seven, eight years, I guess. My original models are still going strong. They're not showing any signs of fading. They're not showing any signs of not cooking well, holding temperature, Cracking, catching fire, exploding, none of that. You're getting quality products. When you go to GreenMountainGrills.com, you find where the dealers are. You go to the dealer's store. You ask all the questions that you want. They're educated. They don't want you just going online, buying something, trying it, going, I don't know what I'm doing. I'll send it right back. No, no. 
We want to re- we want to prevent buyer's remorse. That's why they teach their dealers, who in turn teach you. You're armed with the info to be a success right when you get it home. You put it together. It's really easy. Maybe they put it all together for you right at the selling dealer. Who knows? Right there in retail. That's how I like to do it. Everybody knows I'm not handy. If I don't have to put something together, I would rather not. However, I put both of my Green Mountain Grills together with these two hands and very few tools which I own. Again, I have this tool right here. You never know when I'm going to need it. I don't know what that is. You can grab stuff with it and turn. It's got teeth like. I put it together with that. It took less than an hour. Real easy to do. Now you're off and running. Choice line, which is the original prime line, which is the newer. Bigger tech, bigger chassis, all that good stuff. Come on. GreenMountainGrills.com is the place to go. They have pellets that you can buy. They have sauces and rubs and accessories. They got it all there. Jason Baker and the gang. Getting ready to have him on the show, by the way. Looking forward to catching up with Jason here over the next month or so with some big announcements. Malcolm Reed out of the break. Hang on. Casting live from the Barbecue Central Show Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Hey, this portion of the show being brought to you by Butcher Barbecue, makers of award-winning injections, marinades, rubs, barbecue sauces, grilling oils, all of Butcher Barbecue products tested on the competition circuit as well as backyards worldwide. Be the pit master of your neighborhood and visit ButcherBBQ.com to stock up right now. Always trust your butcher. It is the first Tuesday of a new month, that being the Lover's Month of February. And we race to the hotline and welcome the pit master of Killer Hogs Barbecue and the co-creator of How to BBQ Right, Malcolm Reed, joins us on the show. Hey, Malcolm. Hey, Greg. What's happening, man? Not much. How are you, my friend? I'm doing wonderful. All right, so we're not, at the, February we're not at the warehouse, but are we at the home or are we at the warehouse and we just got a different yeah. look? No, we're at home tonight. All right. Uh, we're, so why is that? I just wonder when we make a... You know me, I'm inside the box. I get used to stuff, and when things change, I immediately become sweaty palms and wondering what things are going to be happening. Have you just lucked out and happened to be at home? No, yeah, I just didn't drive back across town to the office. <laughs> yes. Well, I certainly understand that. That's a, a swell pig that you got behind you there, too. I mean, that's probably the motif of the house, more or less, right? Yeah, Shell's, she, she kind of has a theme going, especially the kitchen there. All right, Malcolm, so let me get your quick thoughts. I know you're a big sports guy. Uh, did you have any thoughts on Chiefs winning the Super Bowl? Are you happy about that? Uh, were you po- oh, Wait a second. Now that I think about it, you were probably a little disappointed as you're a childhood San Francisco 49ers fan, if I remember correctly. Well, I was a big Joe Montana fan when I was a kid. Now I'm kind of I'm, I'm a Vikings fan. I have been for a long time. Oh, wow. So I really didn't have much vested. I mean, I guess, you know, uh, 
seeing Andy Reid get finally get him a Super Bowl, he's a pretty good guy. I, you know, I respect his coaching. So, well, I was gl- happy for. Him. I'm glad that you was able to switch teams because otherwise you could be a completely conflicted man where you have Joe Montana where his best years were San Francisco 49er guy, but then at the end he was traded to the Kansas City Chiefs where he uh, ended the career. I mean, that would have been a terrible situation for you to be in. Hey, he almost took the Chiefs to the Super Bowl. Yes, that's right. So uh, it's why he's one of the best. You think he's the best quarterback ever? Uh, he gets my vote. I'd have to put, you know... Maybe Marino, Elway, then maybe Brady. I'm not a big Brady guy. My son's a Brady fan. Really? But. Why don't you like? Uh, why do you think Brady is is not top one or two? I mean, Dan, I Dan Marino didn't win any Super Bowls ever. That's who I grew up watching, though. See, I'm ranking. I'm ranking on a bias here, Greg. Well, <laughs> I hear you. Are, are you also a Jim Kelly fan? Because I was a big Jim Kelly fan. They went to four Super Bowls in a row and lost four in a row, which no team has ever done. But those teams were spectacular. Otherwise. I'm I'm not a Jim Kelly fan. I mean, he's he he deserves you know every bit of credit he gets. He didn't win the big game, but he did go to four. Yeah, and I guess Aikman Aikman was kind of his uh, thorn. He he kept he kept beating them all every time. And then who else? Uh, well, the, the Giants the Giants beat them. That was Giants the, got one. Phil the, Sims, yeah, yeah. Norwood missed the kick to win that one. Uh, laces out. I think that's kind of where the whole pet detective thing might have came from. <laughs> Unbelievable. So uh, you watch the game. I imagine uh, food is a pretty big deal out there. So did you have any specific food items that you thought were great or a big hit? Well, Saturday, I kind of did an Instagram day where I was where I was cooking up uh, San Francisco versus a Kansas City-style recipe. I did uh, Gold Rush, California Gold Rush wings for the 49ers where I, I took kind of a, a, a play on a mustard barbecue sauce mixed with sriracha and, and the hot sauce and butter and and did some wings up on the grill, and then also did just some Kansas City style ribs. And I don't know if it been if, if it tells you anything that the Kansas City ribs won Saturday. So, so that I'm hoping that's what pulled ah, them through the I next see. day. I see you are the old <laughs> pognificator right there, huh? I see what you're doing. There you go. <laughs> the, give me some uh, w- grilled wing tips because I've been getting a lot of questions myself. I don't necessarily consider myself. Uh, a respected uh, cook. I mean, I have a lot of time on the grill, but I mean, you are somebody that people are approaching. What What's a tip or maybe something in a process that people don't typically do that might help them get that wing game up a notch? Well, if I'm grilling wings, I like to have a twos on fire because with wings, you got to break that fat down first in them. You got to kind of render it some. So I start them off the direct heat. And as they start getting closer, I move them over and crisp them up. And that's when I put the sauce or anything that I want to put on them over the direct heat. That way it kind of chars it up. It gets all that flavor in there. Um, if I'm cooking them on the smoker or pellet grill, something like that, I'm, I'm ramping the temp up and cooking them at like 325 the whole time. Um, I just like poultry cooked up that hot. And uh, it, it really it breaks that wing down. And I, and I cook them way past 165 where they're done. You know, white meat's done at 165. I look for like 198 to 200 degrees in my wings. And if they get to 202, it's fine. I like it to where I can pop the bone out. It comes out clean and you just got a good bite of a wing. That's how I like to eat them. Does it dry out when it gets up into that temperature? You don't find that. I think wings have so much fat in them, Greg, as it, as it renders down, it keeps that meat moist and juicy. Now I had, you know, you, of course if you kept cooking them, you're eventually going to dry them out, but the texture is good up in those high temps on wings. They're forgiving. Mm-hmm. Much like a thigh, you know, as comp guys, when we're cooking chicken thighs, we're cooking them way hotter than 175. So it, it kind of has that same premise to it. 
When you are prepping the wing, do you do anything? What I've been seeing recently is uh, coat the wings in cornstarch or uh, an hour or two before you put them on the grill. Stick them in the refrigerator, and that cold air is going to help dry the skin out, which leads ultimately to a crispier top. Well, I'll do a little dry brine on them. Um, that's just where we season them and let them set for a while. Um, that's about all I do. And I have cooked some with the cornstarch, and it works to get a crispy wing. I've set up a Weber grill with a Vortex for that, and it you know it, it, it makes a real crispy wing. Is it crispy, or is it – I don't want to assume you've been to a Hooters and had their wing, which uh, to me, that's the only good thing about Hooters is the wings, by the way, especially oh, yeah. depending on what Hooters you're going to. It can be kind of a travesty, <laughs> but the wings have always been really good. But those are a breaded wing. I mean, I'm typically buffalo, true buffalo style, wing, fried wing, not breaded with the buffalo sauce. I have a homemade recipe that I can send you, which will absolutely blow your mind. Maybe you could do it on a video. Give me credit. Uh, but I'm not really the breaded guy, but those wings kind of changed my life. Plus the blue cheese that they have at Hooters is really good. It's a great one-two combo. Well, I, you know, I, I like a good fried wing. I order them naked, though. It's where they don't batter them. They just fry the wing with the skin. And they get really crispy that way. That's To me, that's kind of the traditional way. But the closest you can get to it on a grill is by using a little bit of cornstarch mm. on the skin, letting it set. It kind of um, makes it almost where it has a fried crust-like texture on it. Now, you can't go too heavy or it'll have that kind of a grainy taste. You just want to use a little starch, a light one. But when you do it on the grill that way, it does get crispy. So, you know, it's kind of a faux fried wing that's been grilled. Yeah, I love wings. Uh, I could eat them every night. One of my, my Michigan embedded correspondent, John Solberg, it looks like every time he's doing an Instagram story, he's always cooking wings and, you know, throw them in some kind of sausage. But he's more of a like a non-carb guy, so I think that fits a lot of keto diets as well. So uh, chicken wings are absolutely fabulous. And they're a staple when it comes to Super Bowl style uh, appetizers or even main dishes. You can make a whole bunch with a whole bunch of different sauces or just have them on the side and people can go crazy dipping or putting them on the plate or whatever it is. The other thing that I saw you make was you you took a meathead from AmazingRibs.com uh, recipe. So this was the Chicago-style Italian beef and then put the old uh, Malcolm Reed spin on it or you made it. Maybe you didn't really deviate. So uh, talk to me from start to finish there. Um, why did you choose Chicago-style Italian beef and then how do you make it? Well, you know, I've, I've been wanting to do some of Meathead's recipes, and he's kind of, you know, wanted me to come on and, and try some of his stuff out just to give it my stamp of approval. So uh, I was looking for something to do for Super Bowl coming back, and I said, what's better than a, than a Chicago Italian beef sandwich? I just thought that had, that had football wrote all over it. And so I pretty much followed his recipe straightforward. The only thing that I did a little different was I added a little salt to it. I just thought the meat needed it. Um, that's, this is my personal taste, but you could leave it off. I mean, it's not in his recipe. Or, I don't know. He may have just left it out of the recipe accidentally, I'm sure. But uh, it was it was pretty easy, man. Um, the whole key to this is it's finding a good cut of beef. I use top sirloin. You could use top round, bottom round. You want to get the fat trimmed of it because you want it lean. And then you set up a pan on a rack. So I use like a 9 by 13 baking pan, like something you make a cake in. That's where you build your beef juice, all that the, the liquid that you're going to dip this uh, uh, medium rare beef back in to kind of finish it that cooks on the grill and you put a rack over it with the beef on top seasoned up with the herbs and seasonings and all that and you cook it to it's medium rare it took about 90 minutes two hours something like that huh. and then you have to chill it because you have to slice it super thin um now the places in chicago they run it through a meat slicer and you know they get it paper thin almost see through it 
And so they pile it up on the sandwich after they cook it back in the gravy. And that's what they call the beef juice. It's, it's not au jus because it didn't really cook out. We, we made it with beef bouillon water and some little more of the seasonings. But it does get some essence of the meat because it's cooking you know, right below it as it's dripping. Hmm. Um, and then, you know, you got to have a good bread. You pile the meat up on the bread after it's been dipped in the juice for about a minute. It's all hot and steamy. Put a little bit of that extra juice on the bread. You got to have some grilled uh, green bell pepper on it, just a couple strips. And then they top it with a condiment uh, called jardinier. I think that's how you pronounce yeah, it. I'm right. no expert at that. But all it is is basically like a chopped up fresh vegetables. That's what it means. Uh, it's been marinated sometimes, I think, Chicago styles in, in uh, vinegar. But um, in, in Italy, they do it in oil, like olive oil. But it's just a topping, kind of like a relish if you think of it. Yep. And that's the sandwich. That's the traditional way. Now, I did the combo, too, which is you, you stick a – all up in, all up inside the bun, you put a sweet Italian sausage with all that meat and all that goodness. And I added provolone cheese. So was it, it a was whole? Really was it a whole sausage or was it like a ground up sausage? Uh, uh, it's a fresh Italian, a sweet Italian sausage is what it was wow. called. I just bought one from a grocery store. It's uh, you know, it's not cured or anything. It's yep. just fresh sausage cased. So it's a, a whole link that goes on there, man. Oh, boy. That with the hot beef and the cheese and the peppers and the jardinera and all that and, and it dip back in the juice, man. It'll. <laughs> It's a super sandwich. It really is. No doubt about it. Uh, super, uh, super for the Super Bowl, if that's what you're trying to get at there. No doubt about it. Now, um, I've been to Chicago. I've had the Italian beef once, and it wasn't at any of the ones that secretly were recommended, nor was it like a Portillo's or one of the touristy trap type places. But I've heard that there's varying uh, opinions on if you should be dipping the bread and soaking that in the juice, at least on the bottom half. What do you recommend, or how did you do it? Well, the the one that I did, it was better dipped. You really, I mean, for something about the bread, just in we, me and Rochelle just spent time dipping the bread in the juice. It was so good, <laughs> so you can't go wrong with it. But the key is you got to get a you got to get a sturdy enough roll when it's you know like a high gluten roll, soft on the middle, and almost like a, a you know a thicker type outer crust on the outside to hold up to that hot juice. Mm. So you got if, if you know just regular bread will fall apart in it. You got to have something hearty that's going to hold up. And you know I was told there's all kind, there's bakeries up there that people swear by to make that bread. Uh, it's really an Italian roll that they use. And the closest I could get was a fresh French roll at, at Walmart, <laughs> Walmart bakery. I tried. Hmm. I, I saw. I, I went to Kroger, Walmart, a couple other little local grocery stores, even the Aldi that was supposed to have a Chicago style, but. Walmart had the closest one I could find. There's no, I mean, I would figure down where you are, there'd be a couple good mom and pop bakeries that might make some good crusty rolls. Uh, we don't have any, we don't really have anything like that in Hernando. Hmm. <laughs> weird, weird. Uh, are you a Miracle Whip guy or a Mayo guy? Oh, Mayo. Yes. Blue Plate, Blue Plate Mayo. Blue Plate? I've never heard of Blue Plate. I've heard of Dukes oh, and yeah. Hellman's and uh, there's another one that I'm, Forgetting right off the top of my head, but I've never heard of Blue Plate. Is that a regional? It's uh, I think it's down in New, uh, Louisiana, New Orleans. I think's where it comes from. Mm. So what makes Dukes that is special? A good one. Yeah, Dukes is good. I mean, is there anything that makes it particularly special, or just something you grew up on? My granny always had it in the refrigerator. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I think that what mayo is one of those things you kind of grow up on. Um, Sam, the cooking guy, is a huge fan of Kewpie mayo. You ever heard of that? It's a Japanese style mayo. No, that one's new to me. I haven't heard of that one. Yeah, I'll have to uh, have him send you a bottle of that and see if it doesn't change your life. You can get it on Amazon. It looks a little weird, and the container it comes in is kind of chintzy, so it kind of freaks you out a little bit. But 
he always has four or five different uh, containers when he's doing his recipes and stuff, and he swears by it. So I'll have to have him send you a bottle so you can try it out and you can tell us about it next month. All right, uh, let's talk about, enough of the Super Bowl stuff, let's talk about real competition. The Shed, uh, now, I know you were down there just because I'm following you on social media, but uh, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, Robin from GrillGirl.com was talking about how her and her dad, the uh, uh, Eddie, the uh, Tropical Storm Eddie, were heading down to the Shed to take part. Now, she was documenting uh, most of the time, and then I think they were doing uh, part of the state contest, but she wasn't going to do that uh, travesty of a drink contest we'll get into here in a second. So uh, what did you find good about the state contest, um, and, and how did you guys do? Well, it was the whole thing was amazing. I mean, those guys down there at the shed, man, Brad and Brooke really put it on. I mean, it was you know, there was 200 teams there, real party-like atmosphere. I mean, they had a huge seafood bowl on Friday night, uh, all-you-can-eat uh, crawfish and shrimp and all kinds of other stuff to go with it, all the fixings and – uh, free beer the whole weekend. That was what was crazy to really? me. Really? But uh, for, they had wow. a beer truck. Nice. And I, I guess it had five taps, some local stuff, some domestic stuff. But, uh, man, it was amazing. And they, the beer kept flowing both days I was there. <laughs> and I probably had a little too much on Friday. I was paying for it a little on Saturday. Wow. <laughs> but, no, we had a blast. Uh, we, we lucked up. Well, we did the Bloody Mary contest. Rochelle did that. I made the Bloody Mary, and she kind of decorated it up. Uh, we didn't go over the top with ours, and it probably hurt us a little bit. I think we, we ended up like 34th, I think, out of 100 entries or something like that in oh. Bloody Mary, which that wasn't that was respectable. It was a good Bloody Mary. Um, we did turkey, and we did little turkey sliders. They were they were in the top 20. Um, it was just a basic. I, I took Jolene down there, so we cooked oh. we cooked ribs, and we cooked turkey on Jolene. Uh, ribs, we didn't fare so well. I think we were like 67th. Out of you know, it was a well over a hundred rib teams. So. Oh, wow! But uh, but the stakes, which is what everybody was there for, we won the second stake, first place, and it was actually the first three way tie. Uh, Johnny Joseph, Brian Crusoe, and Waylon and me. I guess and that was that was one where that was the stake that Waylon flipped, and I did the time, and then I did the other one. So he gets the credit <laughs> for it. But it was Killer Hogs. Killer Hogs won it. Nice, nice. All right. So, so yeah, we had a, we had a blast, man. Do you win a golden ticket then? Since you win that, yeah, or okay, yep, so you, you, you already qualified, qualified for the final state championship. Right. Qualified Perfect. for the World Foods again. That's good weekend and a lot of beer evident. All right, now look. Can I please? Hate on that freaking Bloody Mary contest. Give me some room, Malcolm. I mean, Go what, for it. what the fuck is going on down there? This is not a drink. It is a drink. Okay, I get it in concept. But it is not a goddamn drink. There's 15 pounds of food hanging off most of those drinks. One had a freaking steak on it. I get it's kind of keeping with the theme here. And if anyone has ever wondered for one second why every other country in the world hates America... All they had to do was show up to the shed and see that travesty of a Bloody Mary contest. Of course everybody else hates us. We're hanging 78 pounds of crabs and steak and uh, every kind of vegetable. There's so much weight hanging off of the... Is anybody even eating the drink? Why is there so much shit going on in those drinks, Malcolm? Please help me. I'm going mad. It, it was just a decorating contest on that part. Oh. Um we were scored on how well you presented it, and the pre the presentation was all of that and more. 
Um, that wasn't the main the main uh, scoring criteria you have, but you know what we, the way they set it up, you turned in a pint of just a drink, and it couldn't be garnished or rimmed or anything, just a pint jar, and then you had your quart jar that as long as it would stand up on its own, you could do anything. You could have put a whole turkey on it. You could have done whatever you wanted. <laughs> and so it kind of it got over the top. But I don't can, know. Do do people eat the garnish? Is that judged no, at all? It's, it was judged for appearance and what they did. They had a big long table set up. And at the end of the night when they did the awards, I walked by and all of them were still there. They have, they weren't touched. Oh, oh my God. Um, I mean, it's just, a, so it's, it's a significant waste of food on top of it. it, it well, that, that is true. Holy <laughs> moly. And how many entries are there? Like over a hundred? There was close to a hundred on oh that one. I believe God. I heard 96 or something like that, but it was crazy. Yeah. Malcolm, you and are. Only a few of them spilled over. You are only a few of them. I mean, I mean, at that <laughs> point, what's the difference? And if it falls over, then you're disqualified. Yeah. So then it's a it complete waste. Your food's fucked. Your drink is screwed. You got nothing going on. You're just totally out of it. Oh my God. This is blowing my mind. We have to start a mission right now, Malcolm. Let's make a pact that by the end of the year, we will have taken down this Bloody Mary contest, the way it sits now, and turn it back into just, like I saw you make a Bloody Mary on your uh, channel, and it was, nothing was crazy. The drink looked delicious. You had some olives and like some celery, a couple other things, but it never looked like it was getting ready to uh, drop through the table or that you would need a small backhoe to lift it up to your face to drink it or anything like that. Uh, that's what we need to have more of. This waste is incredible. I mean, the millenniums are laughing at us. I, you know, I don't know where this whole concept for Bloody Mary, you know, having a buffet on it came from. I really don't. Uh, it's not to me. It's about the drink. It's about you know. Right. It, it's almost like that's your breakfast. That's your hangover cured drink, <laughs> and you know it's supposed to have a good flavor, a little kick to it. It's got huh. some vodka in it to knock the edge off. Right. <laughs> and, and then, you know, if you got a little olives and pickles to go with it, that's fine. But that's all you need. That really is all you need, Greg, for a right. Bloody Mary. It is a drink and not something you hang a whole bunch of food off of the top of. And uh, But I guess that's what you need in order to win. you got to stand out, and uh, this is just the way it is. Look, uh, I've taken up too much time. Malcolm Reed, very busy here. You can find him at howtobbqright.com. Make sure you're checking it out. You subscribe to the YouTube page. As the followers continue to grow. And in the meantime, you can check them back here in the first week of March. If you can believe it, we'll be closing in on the quarter one close. Malcolm, always appreciate the time, my friend. Thanks so much. Uh, appreciate you, Greg. We'll see you next month. You got it. There he is, Malcolm Reed. Right there. Talking about the Bloody Mary. Now, I don't know if he can let loose as much as uh, he may. Maybe he doesn't want to at all. But his wife takes part in that. So, Rochelle, you're kind of part of the problem. We're going to have to talk offline. And when you're competing in that, you know you can't just say, I make the best tasting Bloody Mary ever and turn that in with a lemon wedge as garnish. You're not going to win. It's like not garnishing your box. There's no self-respecting team that is going to decide not to garnish a box. I mean, you're just asking to lose. We didn't even get into talking about how the state contests have gone amok. I'm on fire. Maybe Mark Anderson will indulge my insolence. Hey, folks, in the 
business of barbecue. Is that you? Maybe. You like sausages? Of course you do. You want to add some sausages to your business? Why not add Southside Market and Barbecue? They're only the oldest barbecue joint in Texas. Owned and operated by the same family for three generations. Offering premium Central Texas barbecue products. Slow smoked over real wood. Shipping, distributing, manufacturing sausages for companies across the U.S. From food trucks to multi-chain restaurants. Southside Sausage can be on your menu too. All meats processed in that on-site USDA-inspected facility, a trusted partner on focus and quality with authenticity. That's important. Shipping nationwide via the FedEx through food service distribution channels like Cisco, U.S. Foods, and Martin Foods. Co-packaging capable from research and development to package completion. They can follow your recipe or help you develop something brand new. Private labels also available if you're into that. Visit SouthsideMarket.com for more information or to order. If you go to SouthsideMarket.com to order, use promo code BBQCentral, all one word, lowercase, BBQCentral, and get 10% off your order each and every time. Once again, that's promo code BBQCentral when you visit SouthsideMarket.com. Mark Anderson coming up out of the break. Stick around. We'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. Visit CookinPellets.com for more information or to purchase. You can also visit Amazon.com to purchase as well. I feel bad. Uh-oh. Oh. See, uh, uh, we got a problem. All right, all right. Two weeks in a row, Skype worked just fine. No problems. But tonight we hang up with Malcolm, and now we go to the Frozen thing. Now we got to reboot. I see Mark Anderson saying that he's here and ready to go. So just bear with me. I'm sure there's going to be an update because, you know, why not? Right in the middle of the show, better be an update. Oh, there it comes. There it comes, Jerry. <laughs> so we'll battle through this update. Uh, I did want to mention because it's uh, who's your No, who said that? Oh, Huckleberry Barbecue said that he was going to see Malcolm at a couple of barbecue classes over the next few weeks. I did tell him that we would try to promote that as time allowed, but I believe my self-indulgence was uh, too much. And I went too long. And so it happens. However, my second guest tonight, been seen on the Food Network, co-hosting branded shows as The Grill Dads with his best buddy, Ryan Faye. Tonight, we talk about new podcasting. The gents are getting ready to launch here shortly. And we will race to the hotline and welcome back friend of the show, Mark Anderson. Hey, Mark. How's it going? I'm absolutely fabulous, my friend. How are you? Doing great. 
All right, so I got to ask you right off the top, are you a Bloody Mary guy? No. Yes, good. That's the right answer, number one. Now, number two, and this is the more disturbing part, I was just on with Malcolm Reed, and he was down at the shed uh, last week or two weeks ago, and they were having a huge uh, SCA or uh, you know steak competition cook-off thing. Are you familiar with SCA? Yes. Yes, so uh, they have a two-day event down there, but then they also have these ancillary categories. The One of them is the Bloody Mary ancillary category. And I'm telling you, uh, Robin Lindars, the grill girl, did a live video as these people, these people were turning these Bloody Marys. And I'm telling you, there had to have been a minimum of six or seven pounds of various food, ranging from steak, shellfish, every kind of vegetable. I think maybe there was a turkey. I think there was a wild boar with a sword rammed down its butt (laughs) down into the drink where it was topped. This is where Instagram has ruined food because people make stupid stuff like that because it looks cool and it's going to get a lot of likes. But in reality, you're never going to order it. Even if it does show up at your table, what the heck are you even going to do with it? I don't know. And I don't know why these contests, if we could even say that, are continuing to happen around the country. Because when you see, I agree, by the way, with this whole uh, what Instagram is perpetuate, because Look, if let's say uh, uh, Mark and I were going to decide to jump down into whatever next city next weekend to take part in this great Bloody Mary contest. But last weekend, we watched the Instagram feed of what people were turning in. Well, of course, we're game planning about how we're going to have to bring in a A9 Wagyu brisket and a Berkshire pork butt and a whole main lobster and then figure out how we're going to get it all to sit on top. By the way, none of that food is judged as part of is our Bloody Mary going to win or not? So it's almost perpetuating this incredibly outlandish build of a drink that really is, is is just waste. It's waste. I can't believe it, Mark. What's going on? You know, we're also, Faye and I are both actually pretty anti food contest in general. Um, That's people keep saying, when are you guys going to enter a barbecue competition? Um, and I always say when you don't get penalized for putting a bunch of garbage on top of a bunch of uh, parsley. I mean everyone's doing the same thing. And I've even interviewed some some people in the past who are big-time barbecue competition people. And I said, is that the same way that you make the barbecue at home for mm. your friends and for yourself? And they say no. Then what the hell are you doing? Right. This is you know? how so it – that's the way the competition has changed. This is competition. Yeah, it's, creativity. Yeah. it's liter- literally and figuratively in the box. Yeah. Don't okay. like it. No doubt. Uh, do you think pineapple, grilled pineapple, is the best thing that could come off a grill out of anything? Uh, not, the, not the best thing, but we're huge fans. Um, we actually did it on Wendy Williams last year where we uh, coated it in togarashi and then oh, grilled it. Really? So it was a, like a Japanese spicy grilled yes. pineapple. Yep. Awesome. Really? So the, the sweetness and the spiciness play well off each other. Oh, sweet heat. Yeah. It's awesome. Sweet heat. All right. It's actually a really good garnish for uh, for barbecue chicken. Um, but what what's your take? Are you gonna are you a pineapple on pizza guy? Well oh one hundred percent, yes. I, I think I'm pineapple on everything guy. I'm a huge fan of pineapple. The only reason I bring it up it was a loaded question because uh, Meathead in his last appearance or his first appearance of twenty twenty we were in mid-segment, whatever, and all of a sudden, we're talking about pineapple or something, and he stopped, 
And I could see he's like, I think I'm going to commit to something here and say, but I'm going to say it. It's going to be taped and I don't know if I want to do it. And within that moment of hesitation, you could see him go, ah, F it. I'm just going to say it. And he's like, no matter protein or vegetable or mineral, the best thing that comes off a grill is pineapple. And I said, well, Jesus Christ, meathead, I got to question everything you've said over the last 10 years that we've been interviewing. Like, are you kidding me? And so, uh, but now I've asked other people and they said that while grilled pineapple is certainly delicious, it's probably not the best thing to come off the grill, which you're confirmed. And, and it's, it's, it, we do it all the time if we have vegetarian friends coming over. So really fun. Cause you still get that grilled flavor. You still get some fun heat, but, uh, without the meat, which I don't personally understand, but are you happy? Are you guys uh, pro plant-based meat? You know, um, I like the idea of it. Um, not against it. You know, I've had some good veggie burgers. Faye actually makes some really good veggie burgers. Um, but I just haven't gotten around to trying it yet. Hmm. Uh, do you think it's something that will stay around in 2020 and, and build from there? It'll be interesting to see if this is a fad or if it's really going to stick. I mean, there's a lot of reputable sources coming up now who are saying, hey, this is vegetarian, but it's not healthier. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it'll be it'll be interesting to see if it sticks. It's definitely uh, the Brussels sprouts of 2020, though. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I love Brussels sprouts. You like Brussels sprouts? Love them. But yeah. I mean, it, you know, what was it? 2015. I mean, we're just getting beat over the head with Brussels sprouts every time you turn your uh, social media on. <laughs> yeah, everything Brussels sprouts. And of course, I had to have bacon because bacon continues to be one of those things that just won't quit. Uh, we're talking it's like with, 2019 was the year of the fluffy Japanese pancake. Yes, right? it's gonna... Why not? Of course. <laughs> Mark Anderson joining me here. One of the Grill Dads. GrillDads.com is the website and uh, you can follow him on social media as well. Um, let's talk about this new venture that you and Faye have going on. We call it podcasting where I'm from. So as someone who has done a, a number of different media venues, you've done TV a number of times, obviously with shows, Food Network and so forth. Uh, you've been on uh, radio before, probably both terrestrial. I know you've been on satellite radio because I've heard you on yep. the wrap up show on Howard Stern. Uh, one the, so one of my favorites. Absolutely. Why does podcasting at this stage uh, feel like this is a good avenue? And, and when did you just, when did the concept start and when did you decide that go, hey, yeah, great idea. Now let's start doing it. You know, the between, you know, going out to do today show, going to film our show, judging on other people's shows, um, we're getting to meet some of the most successful and interesting people in all of food. And, uh, after, you know, it's like a lot of guys grocery games. Every time we're on there, we we judge with different people. We stay in the same hotel that night. We go out for drinks and and we swap life stories. And uh, we we find ourselves getting to know these really interesting people. And we said, you know what? Let's just set up a microphone um, and share this uh, this experience and uh, with our with our audience, um, because we're super passionate about it. We're loving it. And um so we did a test run um, with our good friend Carl Ruiz, um, and uh, which is a, a really awful situation, obviously. But yeah, sure. you know, uh, after we recorded it, fan, I was like, "Hey, let's let's give this a real go." And um, now we've got uh, twelve episodes in the hopper, including Jet Tila, Rocco Despirito, uh, Pat Lafrida. Um, and we've gotten a really good response about people making themselves available to be on the podcast. 
and uh, and we're excited. So we're going to kick it off, I think, the week of February 24th. It's going to be up on Spotify, uh, Apple, and uh, basically anywhere that you can download All the podcasts. various podcast platforms. Yep. Th- does it change the tenor or tone, or that's redundant, of a conversation? So before this idea, you're having dinner with Rocco or you know whoever, and you're having normal conversation, however organic it just happens over the course of a meal. Now you're introducing a microphone. Do you, does that somehow change or is everybody able to look past it and it's like we're just peering into a conversation or is it uh, mission oriented now? I, I'm, I've been smiling while you've been asking this question because that's what's been the most fun for us is it doesn't, it doesn't change anything. Uh, one of my uh, favorite quotes from, from the podcast is actually from Rocco and Faye does the intro. He goes, Hey everybody, this is Mark and Faye with the bone in podcast. And we're here to welcome our good friend Rocco to Spirito. And Rocco goes, I barely know you jerks saying that we're great <laughs> friends is way, way overstated. Yeah. And, and people, um, you know, are relaxed and it's fun and, and it really honestly isn't any different. Um, you know, we just recorded one a couple weekends ago with Troy Johnson and, uh, you know, he's a really successful food writer. He's been, I, I think a couple hundred episodes of food network TV as a judge. And we were all in San Francisco for uh, guy Fieri's uh, birthday party. And, uh, the, you know, it was a themed birthday party and, uh, you know, we, we, we set up the podcast in the hotel room, got a couple buckets of beers, and Troy walks in uh, from the bar dressed up like Rocket Man, and uh, <laughs> we hit record. I mean, it's just it's wow. just fun. Um, so what kind of a – if we can geek out a little bit, I don't know how much my uh, audience cares, but I don't care. It's for me. Uh, what kind of uh, equipment do you have? Because, uh, you know, when I listen to – Someone who's been doing this, I mean, this is a live show, obviously, but I'm also recording it. Uh, tomorrow, yeah. the first hour will be podcast number one, Thursday, podcast number two, and so on. But I've been podcasting now for 12 years. So when I listen to shows, maybe I'm a little bit more discerning than the traditional listener. Uh, you have fans. I have fans. Uh, people that listen to Grill Dads or watch Grill Dads might listen with a different ear. How crucial is audio fidelity background noise like how much are you guys taking into account so a listener experience is most appealing so you know one of the things that we're really trying to figure out is is that balance between having enough ambient noise so that you feel like you're in a live environment versus having it be distracting um, and from an audio quality standpoint, I mean, I, my first 12 years out of college, I was an audio engineer in the music business touring all over the world. So Perfect. I kind of geek out about the audiophile stuff as well. Um, so our, our main thing is not to focus too much on it, but the, the audio quality has to be good enough that it's not distracting. So, you know, we've tried some different things. We recorded with Pat LaFrida at his sandwich shop. Um, at Madison Square Garden. Hmm. And it's fun because it's live, it's energetic. You can hear thousands of people buying their lunch, but you can hear us clearly. Uh, but it maybe is a little bit too much. You know, Carl, we did in his restaurant right before they opened, but uh, people are still setting tables. And, um, and, and we're recording, we have a SM58s and a Zoom. 
Okay. You know, one of those six channels, H6 or whatever it's called. Yep. I got, uh, I think I have an H4, so I don't have the six or the four inputs for uh, mics. I have two at the bottom, and then the top microphone could also pop off and convert into additional XLRs if I wanted to. But that's like the best setup mobily because you get really good audio. I mean, those Sure mics are like the standard of, you know, any ball microphone anyway, and I have a couple of those too. So I think uh, from a uh, reproduction standpoint, uh, it's going to be right on point. And I, and I it's also got to fit in the suitcase. Yes. As well. Oh, I mean that's, that's super that's a big one. Super easy to travel and go with. I think I may or may not go to the NBBQA uh, event in Louisville the first weekend in April. And if I decide to commit to that, I'm taking it, and you know it'll just be here and then here and here and then here. And, yep. Uh, the sound fidelity is great. All right. Uh, so two twenty four is estimated launch, or is that guaranteed launch? No, that's pretty uh, pretty locked I mean, in knock on whatever this is um you know we're we're going on the today show that day booked to promote the launch so wow uh, we you know we've got all of the uh all of the episodes edited we're just gonna have to we're gonna launch it episodically but you know it's once a week uh, what was that once a week yeah we're gonna do once a week um we've got 12 recorded so at that point um you know we'll kind of listen and get feedback see what's working see what people are enjoying and then let that sort of uh, influence how we move forward. And at that point we're going to have to figure out because Faye and I live a thousand miles apart. Um, so normally we're like, Hey, we're going to Guy Fieri's birthday party. Let's call these three people to come to our hotel room and record. But if we have six, seven weeks of not traveling together, we got to figure out, we got to figure out how to do it remotely. Right. No doubt about it. Well, uh, we'll be on the lookout. 224, by the way, getting booked on the Today Show to announce your podcast is absolutely fat. I got to leverage some of that. Jesus. Every time we walk out there, it's it's so (laughs) surreal. No doubt. Uh, So be on the lookout for the uh, Grill Dads podcast. It's the Bone In podcast. Yep. All right. Bone In with Mark and Faye. Bone In with Mark and Faye launching 224. And this is Mark Anderson, the website grilldads.com. Mark, always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much. Yeah, I love it. Thank you. You got it. There he is, Mark Anderson. I mean, can I be a little jealous right now that he's launching a podcast going on the freaking Today Show to launch it? Mark, all I'm asking is that somehow in the conversation with Savannah Guthrie or whoever else, Maybe you're going to be uh, talking with Al Roker because he's a food guy and say, uh, yeah, well, you know, we were just talking about this podcast on my uh, favorite live Internet show, the Barbecue Central show. And I'd mentioned we were going to be coming up here about, you know, just a little name drop like that. You know, we'd appreciate that. The Centralites would appreciate that uh, as a whole. We would love it. We would love it if you would do that. Yeah, we would love it. All right, that was Mark Anderson from the Grill Dads, and he thinks that food competition is ruining food. Grilled pineapple is really good, but not the best thing to come off the grill. And he's into podcasting. They're going to do podcasts. Bone in with Mark and Faye. Can't wait to tune in, and I will evaluate with my critical ear. Right, we are back to wrap the first hour. Stick around. We'll be right back. 
Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via Bluetooth. If you have Alexa or the Google Assistant at home, you're in luck because Fireboard is fully integrated with both. You can find out more by visiting fireboard.com or... Call 816-945-2232. Ladies and gentlemen, in the YouTube chat, California Barbecue Association Hall of Famer Sylvie Curry is in. Say hi to the Hall of Famer and give her proper respect. And congratulations, if you didn't know. Sylvie from Lady of Q recently voted in to the California Barbecue Association Hall of Fame and well-deserved, I might add. We thank Mark Anderson from the Grill Dads once again for coming on the show. Grilldad.com. Is the website and then the launch on the podcast, the February 24th and 12th are in the can right now. So there is a little bit of buffer to work with, but I don't know if you guys were listening very carefully. But they have to figure out remote. He had some good equipment for the live stuff, but if they're not going to get together a lot, oh, we got to. Here's what I suggest Ryan does some on his own, Faye does some on his own, and you can have specials, right? That might not be a bad idea. Divide and conquer. And then when you can come together. What's going on? Is this a shadow? No. Divide and conquer. And then when you're together, you can do them together as well. That might be easy. If you're going to have two remote guests, I do. I only do it once a month and under protest. And most of the time it sounds okay, by the way. It does That's the embedded correspondence, by the way. All right, we are pointing to the second hour. Dave Bosca from Butcher Barbecue will be on, and we'll be talking about his latest podcast venture. A lot of podcast themes going on here. If you have questions for Dave, if you have butchering questions for Dave, if you have cooking questions for Dave, I will take your calls live right here on this internet airwave. 216-220-0966 is the phone number if you want to call. Or if you would like to forego the call because you're a little intimidated, you can send me an email, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. That's greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. And I will either put you on the air with Dave and you can ask him your question or send it to me in the text. I will read it to him and then you will get your answer. After Dave, we're open. So if you want to jump in, you can use the same phone number and email address, and we'll chat it up then. 
Stick around for the second hour. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. We'll be right back.